0: 100 years ago in 1920 the 19th amendment to the constitution of the united states was signed into law and officially granted 20 million american women the right to vote this mass expansion in voting rights was the result of generations of intense activism known as the women's suffrage movement that has had a lasting legacy on the continued fight for equality in america in recognition of the struggles and achievements of a once disenfranchised majority. Preservation Maryland is honored to present our contribution to the national efforts illuminating this important history, Ballot and Beyond. Hello,
1: I'm Diana Bailey, Executive Director of the Maryland Women's Heritage Center. We're thrilled to partner with Preservation Maryland by expanding the Ballot and Beyond podcast project with stories of valiant Maryland women who worked for suffrage. In addition to featuring suffragists, several of these new podcasts also represent significant women whose historic contributions and achievements have led to their induction into the Maryland Women's Hall of Fame. Our mission at the Maryland Women's Heritage Center is to add her story to history, to tell our story in all aspects of our lives. We are especially concerned with representing the critical intersectionality of race and gender in the history of the suffrage movement. As new documentation comes to light, we are sharing the important contributions of African-Americans and many other diverse women and men who sought equality, inclusion, and justice for all. Enjoy the podcast and continue to share their stories.
0: This episode of Bell and Beyond, contributed by the Maryland Women's Heritage Center, is read by Allison Weiss, Executive Director of the Sandy Spring Museum, with research and writing by Dr. Pamela Young. Here's the story from Montgomery County, a hotbed of the Maryland suffrage movement, the Quaker women of Sandy Spring.
2: Suffrage Advocacy in Sandy Spring The first permanent Euro-American settlers in Sandy Spring, Maryland, were Quakers who arrived in the early 1700s. They were farming innovators who were socially and intellectually active in their community, valuing education and social justice. Many were active in social movements, promoting peace, and advocated that their Quaker brethren manumit those enslaved on their plantations. Since Quakers believed in equality of all persons, women are considered equal to men. With this emphasis on human equality, education, and justice, it's not surprising that Sandy Spring fostered activism for women's suffrage. The Civil War and an unreceptive political climate had quelled suffrage activity in Maryland for more than two decades. The movement was revived in 1889 when Carolyn Halliwell Miller, a Sandy Spring Quaker, organized her neighbors into a women's suffrage association. Carolyn was a committed suffragist who had attended and spoken at national women's suffrage conventions, often inviting activists from other states to visit Maryland communities to promote suffrage. Other Quaker women who joined her in the local Women's Suffrage Association included her sister-in-law, Sarah Thomas Miller, and Sarah's daughter, Rebecca Thomas Miller. Carolyn served as the club's first president, convening it often to host pro-suffrage lectures at the Lyceum on the grounds of the Quaker Meeting House. She coordinated their work with the National American Women's Suffrage Association and sent delegates, including Sarah and Rebecca Miller, to attend national suffrage conventions. In 1892, Carolyn merged the Sandy Spring Group with the Baltimore City Suffrage Club to form a stronger, larger Maryland Women's Suffrage Association. Because of her advanced age, she served as its president for only one year and declined re-election. Mary Bentley Thomas was then elected as president. Mary was an activist and leader on both state and national levels. Under her leadership, suffragists set up chapters of the Maryland Association around the state, including one from Montgomery County led by Sarah Miller. Mary regularly attended annual national conventions, giving Maryland updates. In 1906, when the national convention met in Baltimore, she placed ads in the local press urging, if you are indifferent, come and be convinced. In her personal scrapbook, now housed at Sandy Spring Museum, There are two letters to Mary from Susan B. Anthony discussing logistics for an upcoming convention and for a petition calling for a constitutional amendment and franchising American women. Mary testified before committees of both houses of Congress in favor of that proposed amendment. Her scrapbook shows her skill as a writer with rich examples of her press articles and original stories. Most fitting, perhaps, she contributed her authorship to the women's section of the fourth volume of the History of Women's Suffrage, written by Susan B. Anthony and Ida Husted Harper. The founding mothers of Sandy Springs suffrage activism provided strong models for the next generation. Mary's daughter, Edith Farquhar, was photographed carrying the Maryland flag in the 1913 suffrage march in Washington, DC on the eve of Woodrow Wilson's inauguration. Rebecca Miller served on the National Suffrage Association's Executive Committee. She also lent her voice through lectures and articles in several publications. She was closely affiliated with the Friends Equal Rights Association and served as recording secretary of the Maryland Women's Christian Temperance Union, an organization through which many women came to support the women's suffrage cause. Carolyn Miller died in 1905. She did not live to see the results of her advocacy materialize, but many other Sandy Springs suffragists were able to celebrate the ratification in 1920 of the 19th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution and franchising American women. However, the right to vote was not guaranteed to all American women in 1920. The women's suffrage movement in Maryland, as in much of the US, became increasingly segregated by race in the 1890s. White suffragists came to believe their best chance for winning the vote was to disavow any commitment to black women's enfranchisement. While some white suffragists adopted this position, in Maryland, black and white suffragists worked together on some campaigns, including a campaign opposed to a measure that would have enfranchised only literate and wealthy women in Baltimore. Sandy Spring was home to the oldest black church in Montgomery County, Maryland, Sharp Street Church, which was named after Sharp Street Church in Baltimore, the Mother Church of Black Methodism. Although Sandy Spring had a very large black population, researchers have not yet found evidence of suffrage activity among black women in Sandy Spring, nor suffrage outreach to black residents by white suffrage leaders. Sharp Street Church was destroyed by fire in 1920, so any record of suffrage meetings there would have been lost in that fire. In Baltimore, African-American activists did form their own women's suffrage group, the Progressive Women's Suffrage Club, that was very active prior to 1920 and continued after ratification with voter education. The founder of that group, Estelle Hall Young, traveled to Montgomery County to help establish women's suffrage clubs there. While we honor the work of Sandy Spring Quaker suffragists, we recognize that the story of suffrage advocacy in Sandy Spring may not yet be complete.
1: Thank you to our many Maryland's Heritage Center volunteers who researched, edited, and brought these stories to the community by reading these podcasts. Researchers and historians are always seeking information about women and their stories. Our efforts to find and document their contributions is ongoing. If you have letters, articles, memorabilia from your past or in your attic or basement, please share with us so that we can continue to fill in the unsung heroine stories for a richer understanding of Maryland women and their contributions to our history.
0: To donate materials or to make a financial gift in support of this work, please visit ballotandbeyond.org. When you're there, you can also listen to biographies from season one and see historic images and transcripts from each episode. If you're inspired by these remarkable women, please share this podcast with your friends, family, colleagues, and students, and rate us on Apple Podcasts, or head over to PreserveCast.org to make a donation. Thank you. Ballot and Beyond is a multimedia history project powered by Preservation Maryland and our award-winning podcast, PreserveCast. It's produced with financial support from Gallagher, Evelius, and Jones, attorneys at law, and the Maryland Historical Trust. With a Heritage Fund grant from Preservation Maryland and the Maryland Historical Trust, Season 2 was researched, written, and read by the Maryland Women's Heritage Center.